Hello, everybody, and welcome to an EPP Group podcast here in the European Parliament. We're talking about disinformation. We're talking about those echo chambers and the social networks uh, that use alternative news, using alternative facts, that hijack elections, that hijack politics, that pose a security threat, as we saw on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol uh, building. Uh, 20 years ago, we, we talked about a, an information highway and how wonderful it was, but it can also be a highway to hell, <laughs> as potentially destructive as it is constructive. And that's what we want to talk about over these next few minutes, uh, about how Facebook and Twitter, they pulled the plug on uh, Donald Trump after uh, what happened there at the Capitol building. Uh, what is the impact here in Europe? And that's why we're talking to two MEPs who are on the Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs Committee, as well as a special committee on disinformation. Uh, welcome, Rasa Yukniewiczkina. Yes. Uh, and also to Vladimir Vilchik. Welcome. Thank you. And joining us from stateside, from the U.S., is uh, Rick Wilson. He is a co-founder of the Lincoln Project. And, and Rick, uh, you uh, wrote uh, the book Everything Trump Touches Dies and Running Against the Devil, A Plot to Save America from, from Trump and the Democrats from themselves. Rick, <laughs> could you have imagined January 6th? Was that maybe a, an accident waiting to happen? That, that you, you know, the books you wrote, it's almost like I told you so, right? No, I, I, it wasn't just that I imagined it, it's that I predicted it. There was only one outcome if they lost this election that would satisfy the conspiratorial nature of what republicanism has become in America. And that is this idea that there is a vast conspiracy seeking only to oppress uh, conservative voters and that there is some sort of you know, nefarious plot to, to destroy their culture, their lives, their, their livelihoods, et cetera. And so you saw the, the increasing degree of rhetoric from senators like Josh Hawley yeah. and Ted Cruz and Rick Scott and many others who came out and said, we're contesting these election results, they're fraudulent, and any action is justified to overturn the, 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 a fraudulent election. Okay, so, so they so encourage people. Yeah, but, but so they, they encourage people, up. right, they encourage them. But mm -hmm. now what happens? After they kind of got slapped down, uh, is there still staying power? Is there still danger here up ahead, stateside? Absolutely, and these folks have. These folks took a. They took a hard hit. They realized that when the National Guard troops were deployed into D.C., they couldn't face up against forty thousand actual combat soldiers um, who were there to protect the Capitol, protect the incumbent, uh, or, or, or to protect the incoming president. And so they've they've slunk off into the shadows right now. But they are still being completely uh, directed and encouraged and motivated by people like Josh Hawley, who is the head of the Sedition Caucus, right. who is still trying to overturn the results of this election, who is now one of the de facto leaders of a violent far-right conspiracy that it has, has a, a, a social media infrastructure that's feeding it fuel every day and telling it every day, what you did wasn't wrong, what you did was standing up for Trump, what you did was justified. They're talking about secession. They're talking yep. about violent revolution. They're talking about armed insurrection. Yep. I mean, these are things that are far beyond the, the, not only the norm of American politics, but the pale. Okay, but that, but we don't want to be too alarmist. I mean, there is, you know, a constitution. There is a due process. People are getting arrested. So, I mean, it's... Bare, bare, look, <laughs> barely, though. We had a, a near-death experience, okay? The meteor went past the Earth and burned through the atmosphere. Yeah. There's a, there are other meteors out there. We can't, we can't rest until we do something decisive yeah. to hold those people who did this accountable. In politics, if you politically subsidize a behavior, you get more of it. 
If you yeah. subsidize bad actors, you get more of them. If well, you subsidize see, yeah. and people and, and give, them, give them a pass on yeah. inciting violence, you get more of it. Okay, well, we see more of this kind of stuff in Europe. What danger is there, Rasa, of this happening in Europe? Europe as a whole, I mean, not only European Union. I am sure that uh, the United States, they will overcome this crisis. And now very many people understand what happened. And lies unacceptable everywhere. Uh, so, uh, but for me, um, this fake news and the main sources of lies and disinformation comes from uh, Russia, China, Iran, other countries. Right. Uh, so, uh, how, when, do counter, how do you counter that? Uh, it's, it's what we are doing now in the new established committee yes. and uh, working a lot. You know, I was born in Soviet Union, occupied Lithuania. Right. Half of my life I spent in the country where the fundam fundament of that country was lie. Yes. So very many people understand what does it mean uh, up to now, but maybe not in other countries. For Americans, maybe it's very new today to, uh, to hear such kind of uh, disinformation and lies. So myself, I am concerned that uh, we have to have some balance when we speak about social media, right. about regulations, because look what Belarus, look at Russia today. They are using social media as a tool for freedom. Right. And so what is the special committee pushing for right now? And special committee now we are investigating mainly the issue, the topics. We are working with diagnosis of the situation. And uh, as a medical doctor, I have to say that uh, only after the right diagnosis, you can use the right treatment yeah. to the subject. So now we are doing this. And I think at the end of this year, we will have more or less um, clear report or uh, proposals to our to ourselves and okay. our partners what to do. Vladimir, uh, what do you maybe anticipate coming up that the that the special committee could propose to prevent some kind of an explosion like we saw in Washington? Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I was shocked at what happened in Washington D.C. As somebody who spent years in the United States uh, studying uh, in the 1990s, I thought this, uh, you know, could never happen. Someplace uh, else, and, but and, yeah. and so did many Americans. So I think this is a real uh, warning light to all of us. It's a real warning light that uh, democracy is and can be under threat. Um, as a result of uh, the amplifying power of the social media uh, across the world. You know, if this can happen in the United States, yes, it can happen in Europe. And we have okay. a problem. We have a problem in Europe. I agree with Rasa. We've had and we've faced uh, uh, huge pressures on our democracy from external powers. Uh, Russia, China, uh, Iran, um, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, um, a, a number of countries which, right. which we've tried to um, really have, have uh, direct influence in the nature of European democracies. But I think we are facing a fundamental problem with the amplifying power of the social media. And what we're trying right. to do in this special committee um, is to not only have a diagnosis of what's going on, but also to propose solutions. And this is really a timely um, effort because we have a number of political and legislative issues in the pipeline in this parliament, such as Digital Services Act. Okay. And we are hoping heavily to contribute with our outcome uh, in this committee to what we can do to improve and to control uh, the social media, the power of the social media, as much as uh, we should be able to resist and, and be more resilient when it comes to the external influences in, in our European so, democracy. So you, you think there should be more regulation? You shouldn't leave it, leave it up to Silicon Valley to pull the plug on somebody like Trump, right? 
I am absolutely convinced we need regulation, we need laws, we need rules. Um, uh, a person, just because he's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of power because he owns a company which has been globally successful, shouldn't be the one this to decide on uh, what uh, communication channels there are at the disposal of a US president or any president, any prime minister. Right. We need rules on this and we need uh, clear rules on this at the level of the European Union because that gives us leverage. But not censorship. No. How do you no. draw the line there? How no. do you, Rasa, how do you draw this the line there? It's most important, the balance. Yeah. I already mentioned the right. balance. So what we have uh, off-line uh, regulations, we have to look at the same regulations, which is, an, um, uh, you know, imp important. What is important to say that is unacceptable yeah. in online as well. But also, I would like to draw attention that not only regulations, but, but the flows of data money. Right. Uh, for those, uh, they are financed. They are doing this not only from outside, but from inside Europe as well. Mm. And they are using the same methods. And populism is coming also because of the lie, because of disinformation. It feeds the uh, fire. And this is, and very many actors inside Europe, they are financed by from outside by data money. So it's yeah. also our topic to. To, to discuss. Rick, Rick, I see you nodding there, and, and I wonder, mm -hmm. you know, because I know in the U.S. there's a lot of aversion to regulation, and yet, if you don't have regulation, then it's up to Silicon Valley to decide what's good and what's not, right? What do you think? Well, what's happened in America is you've ended up with a situation where, where you've got four or five major players in these market segments uh, at most. I mean, in, the, in terms of social, Facebook is the long tail, they have 90 plus percent of that market. Twitter has, of the short form social, 90 plus percent of that market. And these companies have been very smart in Washington about going to, you know, they hire the best lobbyists, they hire tons of people, they write the regulations on their own for their own benefit. They structure the regulatory environment in a way that benefits them. So it's very difficult to see how regulatory structures keep up exclusively with the, with the needs here. We've also got to do, there's also got to be more corporate responsibility about this. Well, Their yeah. shareholders need to be up in arms about this. Right. So, I mean, regulation is a part of this. Antitrust, I think, is the first wedge to go into these problems, uh -huh. to tell these companies that if you're bad actors in our political space, if you're bad actors in, in, in spreading disinformation, spreading propaganda, inciting violence, or, or, or enabling this kind of thing, that, you know, you, you don't have an unlimited... Um, runway, and we will come in with some regulatory and antitrust solutions. I think antitrust is the start of it in the U.S. environment. Yeah. Uh, and in Europe, you, you have a greater degree to apply regulatory strictures than you do in the American political system. I see. Right. And Vladimir, what do you think? Could that be a, a step, is, is the antitrust angle? Because I think antitrust the, the angle is, 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 is one, one aspect of this. Uh, we have a common European market, and we need to have uh, free and fair competition, and fair means that you allow access to other players as well. And, and, and then I agree with Rick. If you have four or five major guys who have divided the market and control the market fully, uh, there is uh, something very unhealthy about this. So the market regulation is a part of this. But you've really touched on, uh, on an important question, and that's disinformation. Disinformation is not necessarily illegal. Mm. 
Um, it's the gray zone. Yeah, there's got to be it's, free speech, it's, too, It's right? the gray zone, and we need to protect the, uh, the free speech. Yeah. But I think there are a number of regulatory measures we can do effectively uh, to really uh, make sure that this information is not as widespread as it is. There has to be a control to this, because what happened in the U.S. was a result and has been a result of a systematic, manipulative campaign which got out of proportion and actually mobilized uh, a huge chunk of the American public. This is something which is dangerous. So this is where yeah. we need to look at the regulatory action. And we we already know from the actions of the social media that actually they, they can do this on their own if they want to. Yeah. You know, they can change the algorithm on Facebook and Twitter uh, to make sure that credible news uh, have advantage on their networks over uh, uh, lies and uh, and, mm -hmm. and propaganda, mm -hmm. which is, uh, which is uh, completely manipulative. Uh, they can do this. Um, uh, but I think we need to do this on the basis of common rules, which are going to be binding for all social networks right. and, and which are going to give us also a lot more transparency and information in terms of our understanding what they are doing. You know, uh, let me just give you an example. Okay. European Union is a union composed of states, smaller and larger. We already have some legislation in some of these states, such as Germany. But we need a, a European regulation to protect uh, particularly the public in vulnerable small states. Mm -hmm. um, there has to be the same level of protection, the same level of transparency uh, with respect to this information manipulative uh, content um, in, in countries uh, with, uh, you know, languages which, which are spoken by a few million people, just like my native Slovak, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, the na languages of, of, of the people in the Baltic states. So I think this is important. We need to look at the European action to give us power vis-a-vis -vis the uh, social platforms. But at the same time, we need to make sure that, uh, that uh, we protect everybody in Europe equally. There is already legislation on the EU level, Rasa, where you have to take, if there's something that is, um, that, is that causes radicalization, uh, you have to take it off within an hour, right? There's that one-hour rule. Do you think that should be widened and applied to something like this? Yes, it's one of the instruments, I think. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I would like to say that social media changed our life. Uh, and we are not dependent so much now on one or another journalist, one or another party opinion. Uh, I can wit witness this during my political political life right and uh, we need not only only to think about one hour uh, uh, rule but also look still uh, troll factories exist in okay. very many countries this example goes into internal life of uh, political political life in many countries fake accounts yeah. Uh, spreading disinformation, uh, hidden paid advertising. So it's a lot to do to, to, and, uh, to regulate. And there's an even more sinister aspect is the hybrid warfare aspect, a right? Using disinformation. And you're on the NATO committee yeah. here in the Parliament. So you're also every, a security defense. Everywhere. How much of that is a threat and how do you counter that? I think it's one of the most important threats today because the wars are different now. Look into what's going on, especially on Eastern Partnership countries where Russia is doing a job uh, attacking people's minds, people's thinking. The countries to the east and of the especially, uh, European Union. And, of course, in, in Europe itself, because all those uh, populistic anti-European movements, very often they are related with some, something uh, outside. So, but, so, regulation, one thing, but it's utmost important for us will be to find balance and to understand that social media is doing a lot in favor of democracy as well, to how, express how, people and so on. Then, then how do you fight um, 
these dis this disinformation, shouldn't there be a go-to place where you can uh, debunk uh, whatever uh, inflammatory uh, disinformation there is? Oh, yes. So I think that we have to... Uh, Mm, to do more on expertise, not only here in the European Parliament, but in national parliaments, with national governments, governments as well, mm. because mainly this is uh, um, a subject uh, before election, before national election, before all elections. So those countries, every country has to have like uh, stratcoms. Uh, we have, for example, in my country, mm -hmm. we have to educate people. Yeah. It's utmost important. Young people in the schools, education has to be increased about to read how to how with to with a more critical mind. Of course, right. how to find what is uh, you know uh, because it would be impossible just to regulate and just to say people it's wrong or it's uh, it's it's good or it's it's wrong. So people have to be you know to understand and to find their own way how to find the lie. Um, Rick, uh, the the. You know, with, with the Trump effect, was it, it was a lot of people. It fascinated people, even if they didn't agree with him. They 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 were fascinated by him. Um, and how much of a lasting impact does that have in the U.S.? Um, how did how, how come so many people believed him? Well, I think that one of the things we discovered in our research over the years, starting back in 2015, was that Donald Trump had been on television in America as a reality TV star for 15 years. Yeah. They believed they were electing the character they saw on The Apprentice. He was in everybody's living they room for that, years, right? Right. They thought they thought he was a great manager, a great leader, a smart thinker, a good businessman, a great negotiator. And so that bought him a ticket to the dance, as we say. Yeah. But what happened is, once he got into the campaign, social media fueled the ability for him to use uh, you know, his celebrity to leverage against the other candidates. It turned out Americans really were um, quite naive about who he was, obviously. And they and they found themselves, you know, in this social media bubble that inc became increasingly hermetic, that sealed them off. So if you were a Trump supporter, yeah. you started seeing on your Facebook feed and your Twitter feed other Trump supporters. Yeah. You started seeing more and more lurid conspiracy theories that justified his behavior. The, the echo chamber, more, right? Yeah. Yes, more and more of an echo chamber and less and less of a political dialogue. Yeah. Then, so then, these tools, right. these tools aren't morally agnostic anymore. They can drive people into a into a bubble that from which they, it's very difficult to escape. So so that that's there. I mean, that has to be countered as well. What what advice do you have to Europe? And how much of a parallel do you see between Trump and the populists in Europe? There is a global rescission of democracy that is desired by a segment of the far right. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon is sort of the godfather of that in the in the U.S. He's also very active in a number of European countries. He's trying to, to push a number of, of these far right and, and extremist he, candidates. He's trying to, but I don't Europe. think he's getting anywhere, is he, with his Breitbart? He's not well, in Europe. Well, here's the problem. For years and years, <clears throat> the crazy populace didn't get anywhere in the U.S. either. Yep. And they found that felicitous combination for them of a celebrity, a populist movement, an inherently uh, amoral political mindset. And at some point, you, know, you have to keep stomping these things out. You can't, you can't let fascism or pop, radical populism or, or radical nationalism grow. Okay. You can't stomp it out. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. And then how, you do, you how do you stomp it out without stomping out free speech? Listen, 
Free speech is free speech is is one of the fundamental and most inherent human rights, but it is also the right of people to not be on the soft side of democracy, as Ian Applebaum says. Ah. Democracy and freedom and a and in the U.S. maintaining a republic requires a publicly engaged fight. You can't just say, oh, it's cool. It's his free speech to say it's cool to burn crosses in black people's yards. Yeah. You can't just say it's cool for them to, to motivate in storming the Capitol and murdering five people, including a police officer. The, the, you can punch back hard. As the Lincoln Project, we punch back hard in favor of democracy and freedom. The idea that free speech is a suicide pact is wrong. You have to counter radical speech with 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 a, with a fiery and sometimes aggressive defense of freedom, a defense of uh, of liberty, a defense of individual liberty and integrity. These people rely on you being silent. Yeah, they rely on, the, on scaring the the democratic side into submission, and we yeah. don't fight that way. We fight back in their face hard. But th th this can be like whack a mole, you know, where uh, it, it rears its head in different places, different parts of the world. I mean, disinformation knows no borders. Vladimir, how do you fight this on a global level? And do you see potential now that there's a new administration in Washington that the EU and the U.S. can join forces in fighting disinformation? That's how that's going to be to you also, Rick. But yeah, I, first. Look, uh, uh, let me just let me just very clear on this. Uh, we are not going to get rid of this information. Uh, it's been here. It, it was here long before the social media. It's always been here. Conspiracies, mm -hmm. uh, propaganda. Uh, these things have always been here. What has changed is the methods that are being used, and of course the technology which is being used. And as you said at the beginning, you know, we all thought the social networks uh, information highway. And I completely agree with Rick. We need to protect free speech. Yeah. That's important. Um, it's the essential aspect of democracy. It's the essential aspect of how we work here in, this, in the European Parliament. But there has to be uh, a much greater sense of uh, responsibility and transparency when it comes to the amplifier of the free speech. Because mm. what happened, uh, and, and we've seen this, uh, it, it happens with tragic consequences repeatedly already uh, on social networks, is that you have people dying in, in the capital. Uh, you have people dying uh, because of uh, COVID, uh, believing that COVID doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. dying uh, thinking that they're not going to get vaccinated. We're keeping our distance, so, by the way. And uh, I know we are. <laughs> and, and I hope we are safe and that we are safe after this. Yes. But the point is, uh, you're, you're right, this is a global phenomenon, and that's why we need to fight it ideally with global rules. Yep. And we need to start at the European level. Yep. We need to work closely with our American partners, and right. I hope with the Biden administration we'll have a good and there fair talk go. on this. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we need to also go global um, to, to make sure that there is a much greater sense of social networks globally when it comes to the spread of this information. Russia, what, what do you think? And, and also, being on that NATO committee, security mm, and defense, yeah. you... I mean, how do you you fight that on a global level? Yeah, you with... know, democracy is not for granted. Yeah. We have to take care of democracy every day, like we take care of our body, washing, I mean, uh, taking bath every day. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. It will never uh, become the situation when we will think equally. And I would say both uh, extreme sides are dangerous. Uh, extreme right, extreme left, as well, we saw also in the States, uh, also saw uh, from another side also violence, not only in the United States, but in, 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 in other countries. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, it's, it's, it's very important uh, just to, 
uh, to speak about, and uh, not only, I repeat myself, not only regulations, but yeah. also education yeah. and uh, responsibility of yeah. uh, politicians from different flanks, left, uh, right, center, center. All these people have to be responsible. And of course, uh, we have to, to fight uh, to fight uh, autocracies. Yes, right. To help people to fight autocracies. Yeah. Because everything is coming from autocratic regimes. Uh, Rick, I want to get to you, but Vladimir, you had a quick I just, comment. Uh, just a quick point on this. I completely agree agree with Rasa on, on, on one important thing we need to do, and, and this is where I think we need to also join forces across the Atlantic. We need to really be serious about serious, credible media and media sources. Journalists across the world have to have uh, our support. Uh, journalism, credible journalism, has to have our support. This is something we are serious about in the European Union, and this is where we need to join forces. Uh, today, uh, it seems like anybody can be a media person or journalist. We need credible journalists working with credible sources, and, and these have to be the ones uh, that uh, actually uh, are watched uh, and, and followed by the majority of the people. Because otherwise, you know, if we stop believing in credible facts, yeah. incredible science, uh, incredible journalism, uh, this is the end of democracy. Rick, Rick, uh, a couple final words, because i got to wrap this up. But um, this, this idea about U.S. and EU cooperating on something like that, what potential do you see there? I think it's more than past time <clears throat> that people who believe in freedom and democracy and liberty ally themselves against the forces of dis disinformation, hostile propaganda, and take the steps that, that are required to protect um, our, our, the, those things that we believe so deeply in. Because if we don't, the, no one will have freedom of speech. The alternative is not you know, a, a different right-wing version of this. It is, it is a complete shutdown of freedom of speech. We've seen this movie before, and no one wants to go back to it. Rick, thank you very much. Rasa as well. Vladimir as well. Thank you. Great to talk. We'll be doing this again before long. So thanks very much, everybody, for watching. Thanks to the speakers, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.